Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Not so serious Sunday returns for another not so serious conversation. <laughs> that's sometimes serious. That's sometimes pretty serious. Cheers. Cheers. In fact, why don't we just start off? Why don't you tell us uh, tell us all what we're drinking? I want to know what we're drinking. Sure. Because uh, I'm enjoying this. Well, it's called the Umlot. The Umlot. Mm-hmm. It's a Bavarian style weed ale. Mm. And it's, uh, I can taste the Bavarians. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's got that kind of foggy look to it. It's pretty good. You know, it's funny. It's, I got it from Brassneck ah. uh, and Brassneck. I don't know. Every time I go in there, they got different beers. So I was like, well, it's Brassneck again today. And actually they, they keep changing it up so much. I keep being like, man, I want to try that. I want to try this. I want to try this thing. And then you go back and it's not there. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's one of the, like the great things. And also one of the things that can like, Oh, like you, you yeah. just, yeah, it could, it could just drive you crazy sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love the fact that it's not just that, like, usually when I go in there, it's not just that they have like one new beer that I haven't seen them have before. Yeah. They've usually got multiples that I'm like, whoa, like they're just, they just, con- they're just constantly like brewing up new stuff and, yeah. and trying new things out, which is, if you, if you like to drink beer regularly and always change it up, this is the right place. Yeah. yeah. And especially a place that like consistently, like they change it for a brewery that changes up what they're doing as much as they do. They consistently deliver something that's tasty. Yeah. Everything is always really good. Yeah, yeah. Like there's never, I have not had anything from brass neck that I've been like, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't care for that one guys. <laughs> They did have one that was, uh, during, I think it was last summer. It was, uh, it w- they, they kept mixing different fruits into this one beer and it was one, it was super tart, super sweet. It was one that I had a little bit. That was the only one where it was like, oh, oh yeah. Well, because that's, yeah, I've, I've tried those, like those sour, like yeah, it was a little bit too sour. sour. I mean, stuff, it's but. really like great, you know, like the, and every, every brewery tends to have one beer for me where it's like, I want just like a little, like maybe half pint or something of it. But then after that, I like, don't really want any more of it so much. I right. kind of want to move on to something else. But then sometimes you'll like one thing with brass neck is I find they'll have, there's this one beer. I don't remember which one it was, but they kept mixing a different fruit in it all summer. And there were some that they did, which were just so good. You know, they were like, and, but, they, but I like, I like that they're always taking chances and trying stuff out. I mean, I, I think that's probably why they have such a good repertoire of beer because they keep trying stuff and then they figure out what works and what doesn't. And then probably keep rotating those ones that are working, you know, Yeah. every and, now and then. And you usually don't remember very many of the ones that you didn't like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You sure remember the ones you did. Yes. So beer, beer, that's our beginning. What else is new in life? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I don't know. Like I, I guess when I came in, we'd started talking about, um, you know, and I'd wonder if this was maybe a, a topic to save for like one of our actual topical sort of conversations. But, um, you know, I, I mentioned a little while ago that I had, uh, gone out for a production of calendar girls. I think I mentioned that 
If I didn't, now you know. Yeah. Um, you for know, a I'd, play. For a play, yeah. And uh, and had a callback for it. Felt uh, felt really great about it. it felt, you know, like I, I did my job, you know, as best I could within, you know, the time frame I had to work on it and all that stuff. And, you know, trusted myself. And uh, and then, you know, was told that I, I was not going to be cast uh, in the play, which I was like, oh rejection, (laughs) which is like, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's something that artists definitely have to get used to. I mean, especially within acting, I mean, rejection is just kind of part of the territory that you're, that you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it comes with writing too, you know, uh, earlier, I guess later last year, no later last year. Yeah. Before my gig started rolling in, um, I was submitting uh, pitches for these really what I thought were great concepts for proofs of concepts and things to move forward for features and whatnot. And uh, <clears throat> and I remember I had this one. I'm not going to share it because it's still kind of on the burner. Like I still actually think it might potentially get made. But it was interesting because I shared this idea with a bunch of people and close people, you know, the reason why I'm not going to share it now is because we broadcast it everywhere. Someone's probably going to do it, you know, yeah. <laughs> someone's going to keep it under wraps. But, um, basically, um, they turned it down because they were like, we don't know if like the special effects, the visual effects that you need to accomplish this are too complicated. And they wanted me to basically write another proof, but with more simpler visual effect options. And, so, you know, it's funny because it's like, sometimes you can have like, what you probably did was a really great, you know, delivery of this, these characters or character that you played. And, um, I felt like, yeah, I did a really great delivery of a story, but then there's other factors that, you know, are just like, so like off the wall, so left field. Yeah. And, you know, rejection is, it's an interesting thing because is it really rejection or is it just that it just like, certain things were not going to fit regardless if you went that whatever road you go, it's just not going to work for some reason. Yeah. And, and perhaps like, yeah, it's one of those words that we use just like, Oh, you were rejected, you know? And it's like, it's, (laughs) there's like, we have all of these associations and connotations that come with that word where it's just like, Oh, like you feel like you've been punched in the gut just with that very word. It's like a big ego word. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, perhaps the best way. And, and for me, it's like the best way to look at it. It's like, okay, it wasn't a fit. Yeah. You know, there just, there just wasn't a fit because mm-hmm. it's like, did I go in there and do a bad job? It's like, no, obviously not. I mean, it was a callback. Obviously there was something that was, you know, that they really liked about what I did. So it's like, in terms of the whole dynamic and also like, there's so many things and you're never, you're never told, you know, what, you know, the reasoning might be right. For, for why they've chosen to go with somebody else or, or do a different project or whatever, you know, sort of field that you're in. But, you know, it's, it's, it, there's so many things that, that you just don't know. And it couldn't be the reason why you did or didn't get something could be based on something so absolutely trivial. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your, with your ability. No. Whatsoever. Um, you know, which is why at the end of the day, it's, you've got to be happy with the work that you're, you're putting out for you. Yeah. You know, um, Larry Silverberg, he, he used to say to us, you know, during, during our training, he'd say, uh, only, only, you know, what's good enough for you. 
And sometimes that, that goes the opposite way, right? Maybe you are cast in something, or maybe you are given this certain opportunity and there's a certain, and sometimes there, there aren't enough demands put on to you. You know, sometimes there's like the demands that, or what's being asked of you is something that is so kind of small and trivial for you. Mm -hmm. And you want to actually take it to another place. Right. And, and when that occurs, you know, only, you know, what's good enough for you. Like if someone's just like, Oh, that's great. Keep it exactly as it is. It's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's a good point. We still got a big long run to go here or we're still in rehearsals or we're still in, you know, this or that. It's like, I'm not even, I'm not even close to being done with this. In fact, we've discussed before that sometimes like, like what is done, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a screenwriter or, or, or even a, if you're writing for the stage as well, you're doing it all the way. You're rewriting all the way through rehearsals and through production. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing rewrites and as an actor, you're constantly discovering new things about the part that you're playing about the, this person that you are, that you're trying to bring life to. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. It's never completed until, you know, they basically tell you to, you know, go the hell home because like we're not paying you anymore and we're not <laughs> shooting anything anymore. At which point you become Johnny Depp and you dress up like Jack Sparrow in your house, <laughs> which yeah. does sound all right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I guess, you know, it's all like, you know, you can only train and practice so much, but I think it's the lack of training and practice that ultimately like that leaves people in that state of like, um, trying to drive for perfection in a weird way. Like if you practice a lot and you train a lot, in my opinion, you run up against the obstacles. Like for example, if I know that I gave my everything, I trained the hardest that I could possibly train, um, for say sports or something for like soccer. And I've trained as hard as I'm, I'm as fit as I've ever been. I'm, you know, I've worked my ball skills. I worked my shot. I worked my passing. I've spent time with my team, extracurricular time with my team just to build bonds, do whatever. And when you show up and you have that experience and you realize this right now is, is, is me. Like this is me doing what I, the best I can do. And when you make a mistake or you mess up or something doesn't go right, you, you kind of realize that there's, you know, there's a limit to how much you can get done in a certain amount of time. Right. And I think though, the base of your training was of my training was done way before that fitness test before the game even occurred. You know, it was like, um, you know, I, I was actually having a conversation with this. I kind of drifting topics here, but I was having a conversation with someone about this yesterday because I've gotten into rock climbing. That's been my big thing over the last year or so. Yeah two years, I guess. And, um, at first, uh, if anybody's rock climbed, you, you pretty much suck, you know, when you start, it's, you know, you look at people climbing using like these little fingers to like grab holds and doing weird stuff. And you're like, how the hell do they do that? Like, that just seems impossible. And then eventually, like, if you, you know, I kept at it, I kept that, I kept that started learning technique, built strength, built form. And then I'm climbing things. And like, uh, you know, some of the guys that I was with who were, some of them were kind of newer and one was really experienced they were looking at me climb and they were like, Whoa, great move. Like, how do you do that or whatever? And so I think what happens though, is the, you learn these lessons earlier on and then you kind of, 
do your best to apply them. But one of the things I realized was I, I haven't been rock climbing so much the last few months. Like I climbed a lot last year and then I didn't climb so much the last few months. So I didn't have the same strength and I didn't have the same endurance. And, you know, and you can kind of, I think like, had I, when I first started, I had no gauge why I was struggling or why not. Now I could see, okay, well I got the technique down, but I don't have the strength to hold on to the grip or my, my hands are not like uh, rough enough right now to kind of like maintain. Cause like if you're in rock climbing, for example, if you're really experienced and you do it all the time, your hands get a little tougher and your, your muscles get stronger and you get kind of a certain endurance, you get practiced, you're thinking about it a lot more things are just easier and you can last longer. But like, I found like after say, uh, say on a good climb for maybe, I don't even know if I'm an average climber comparatively to some of the greats, but for, for someone that kind of, for those rock climbers out there, uh, all the, all the five tens, a B C and D and then five eleven a is where I'm like topping out. So that, I think that's pretty decent, you know, for an app, like if you don't know anything about rock climbing, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. But. So most people, so just to give me an idea about rock climbing, I'm still going off topic more and more, but basically started about a five, seven and then it goes five, eight and five, nine and then five, 10. And so from five, seven to about five, 10 is really kind of the gauge of where you are when you're kind of a noob amateur beginner, right? Once you start getting into the five tens, they go five, 10, A, B, C, and D, and then five, 11, A, B, C, and D, and 12. I think it goes all the way up to like five, 15, which is, you know, bonkers, crazy hard to do. Yeah. It's the stuff you look and you're like, you're Spider-Man. Like, yeah. (laughs) How are you doing that? So anyway, so in that middle area of like anything from five, 10 to maybe five, 12, like you're getting pretty good. You know, you're, you're actually developing your skill pretty good. And then anything like, you know, really even 5.11 and 5.12 and up, now people have some, they have pretty good skill. They have really good skill, yeah. actually. Like they're, you know, they're doing things that are like overhanging climbs, under hook, like they're grabbing under, not over. You know, they're using yeah. just little fingers to like hang into things. Uh, it's crazy, right? Um, so anyway, um, my point is, is that when you first look at it as an, as a new climber, you, it looks impossible. Like I remember going yeah. in the gym and just thinking, I'll never be able to do that. Like, and then doing it for a while and then you're starting to do things. And when you do it, like, for example, I remember the first time I did a full overhang climb and, uh, someone was teaching me how to do it and how to place my feet. And it's kind of amazing. Like when you see someone do it and you've never physically done it, you go, Oh yeah, I could do that. But when you do it, you, you experience what it's like. Yeah. And so my, my point is, is that all this stuff, you know, you, you go there, you experience yourself at the best you can be, and you can always see how you might be able to be better. But what, whatever the result is, you, is if you went out and you did that audition or whatever, and you were experienced it as the best you can be, that's all you can really ask for. Because I think like sometimes we create these ideas about how we should be better than we are. But if you've never done it, then you don't know, like you're only as good as what you've done in a sense, not how you think you should be, you know? And I think like in acting, it's one of those things where we don't always, or or these art artistic endeavors we do, we don't really gauge ourselves. Like we assume, Oh, I should be better, but it's like, you need to go and try it. So like to bring it back, my point was I was having a conversation with someone about being a filmmaker, for example, if you want to be a filmmaker and you want to do things like 
Spielberg and Scorsese and all these greats and Fincher, you just name them. Um, <clears throat> and you want to do things like them, go out there with a camera and try stuff, you know, just try doing two shots that transition really well. Like, you know, filming from one person to the next person and go on your editing system and see how they got together. Or, you know, if you want to, if you want to be able to do these really beautiful tracking shots or crane shots, go figure out, like, you know, when I was a young guy, we, we just built a crane. We just went down to Home Depot and we built something and we tried it out and we tried to figure out, you know, how do you crane a shot really well? Yeah. It's not great. I mean, it's not, you're not using the high end gear, you know, maybe go on Craigslist and talk to someone who's experienced and just say, Hey, could you train me? Could you mentor me? But you got to practice because yeah. I think where people end up practicing like filmmakers, they don't practice until they actually get on set and that's too late. You need to have practice before. Go pick up a, a camera and go shoot some pictures. You know, use your iPhone if you got it, but yeah. just try doing stuff because until you've done it, it's all kind of in your head a little, you know? Yeah. And, and see like, especially for, for filmmakers, it's like, you know, if, if you are, a, a, you know, who are your favorites? Who are, who are your favorite directors or who are your favorite cinematographers? Watch their work and and then see how these shots are all put together. How is it edited or, or have the script in front of you while you're watching it and see how, how it all came to be and then try it out. Yeah. Like try and recreate that thing and be like, Oh, okay. That's how they did that. I mean, everybody does, everybody does that. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone's like, it's like, Oh, it's just a, you know, then you're just ripping somebody off. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's, there's a, ripping somebody off and then there's being inspired by somebody's work and trying to see how they did what they did. I mean, it's like, I can tie this back like for myself in, um, like in playing guitar. It's like, I, I'm inspired by guys like, you know, Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, David Gilmore. The thing is, is that those guys were all inspired by like BB King Albert King, you know, Muddy Waters, like all these old blue, and they took what they were doing and they learned how to do that. And then they ended up doing sort of their own thing, but it, and they took it from somebody and they took it from somebody, but nobody really goes, Oh, well you just, you're like, you guys are just a bunch of copycats. No. Right. Like it's, it's, it's tribute. I mean, as long as you don't copy things like verbatim the way they are, but you use them as like a backbone of inspiration. I think that's, you know, that's where that's, you know, that's what it, it, it comes from. And I think it's always about recognizing where you come from. And I think, you know, if I look at all like my mentors and my teachers, they're always telling me like, I learned this from this person, or I learned this from this person, or this person shared this. And they're always giving tribute all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they're acknowledging. And so it, it kind of like the, that when, when a person's walking around acting as though they just came up with it on their own, like we're, it's not that not, not everything is shared by necessarily another person directly, but sometimes I think people inadvertently share stuff, you know what I mean? And so, um, like for example, one of my mentors, I'm learning a lot about marketing right now and, and, and how to do copywriting and things like that. And he gave us uh, me and a group of other people, like, cause I'm doing a class with them right now. He did a uh, copyright example. You know what I mean? And so he goes, this is how I do, this is one of my copyrights. This is one of the things we do. He goes, and he broke down the whole strategy of it and, and helped us understand. He says, go ahead and use this. Don't copy what I do, but go ahead and use this as a basis for what you're doing. And he's like, just don't like 
and so in marketing, people might not understand these words, but basically don't take my positioning, don't take my, don't take my offer the way that I'm doing it. But if you're doing something that's similar to what I'm doing, take in, take the idea of what I'm doing and apply yeah. it that way. And it's interesting because he's sharing stuff with us that like not many people in the world know, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, and we're talking like, I mean, I'm not just a multimillionaire, like a, you know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, this, this person yeah. makes a lot of money. Right. So you're, you know, he's sharing stuff with us strategies that he's built from the ground up to get where he is. And, um, and he, and he, and I think that the thing is, is that if you were, if, if one of us say was to copy him, I mean, it would kill the relationship. You know what I mean? But if, if you acknowledge, okay, I got it from this person. I don't want to take anything away from them. They helped me to get to this point, And now I'll build upon it with my own thing. It's not necessarily better. It's just different, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're using it as a point of, uh, just as a point of reference and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and you, pass that along and you're like, and that inspires the next person and that inspires the next person that inspires the next person. I mean, that's kind of how we, that's kind of how we evolve as yeah. human beings is, you know, we, we look at what was done and then we see how we can apply it today to work for tomorrow. Yeah. And right? uh, there's this thing in marketing too. I'll just share this while we're talking about this. It's called ad swiping where you, I mean, it's a term that, that I guess a lot of marketers throw around, but it's where you see a great ad you know, post it on Facebook or whatever. And you, and it catches your attention. So you, you do a screenshot of it and you, and you copy the text and put a, put it on file and you don't copy it later to use it as your own, but you, cause that's look, just plagiarizing. That's plagiarizing. <laughs> but you look at it and you go, what elements of this? It, it, why did this stop me in my tracks? Why does this interest me? And trying to understand it so that that way, when you write your own copy and you create your own ads, you're using those things. You're like, what is it about this that makes me want to stop and look at it? And, 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 and it's, it's almost, it's, it's very respectful because everyone who puts out an ad, for example, in the marketing industry helps everyone else put out an ad, you know? And I think that it's, you know, the, and the more embrace this whole idea of it's a world of abundance, not scarcity. If it's scarcity, it's almost like I'm scared to share this because I don't want anyone to steal. Yeah. But if it's abundance, it's like, I'm going to share this. Someone's going to improve upon it or add their own thing. And then I'm going to see that and I'm going to improve upon that. And it's like this perpetual thing of we're all improving. We're not competing necessarily. We're competing with each other. Well, yeah. And when you protect everything too, it's like, there's also this weird, yeah, there's also kind of this insanity about it and saying that like, okay, this is the, this is the absolute best way and you know, I've got to protect this and shield this, but that's just not the way things are thing. Like the world changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at, you know, if you look at something like marketing in the face of, of advertising, uh, I was, I was talking to some guys today about, about like advertising and how, you know, uh, you know, this person I was talking to was talking about, uh, how they, since they moved to Canada, they have not watched TV, like television you know, like you, in your conventional way. And just because of like commercials and mm. stuff like that, it's just like, no, I, I'm not going to sit there and watch commercials. I mean, that's a way that the world has changed. Like things have, have become so different and now it's so much more about, you know, this, like the, the social, like the social marketing side of things. And it's so much more tailored. It's so much more specific. It's less intrusive usually yeah. like to you, like, because I know watching 
like television on, you know, just a regular thing. And you're sitting in between commercial breaks and you're like, why am I, this is strange. I'm so, I'm not used to sitting through like three, four minutes of advertisements before watching the program that I wanted to see. It's just, so it's such an old model of doing things now. Right. And it changes. And it's like, if you try to just protect all of these different little ways of doing things, you know, like you're eventually going to, I guess my, what my point is you're eventually going to end up finding that you're, you've become like outdated. Mm -hmm. You've become a dinosaur because you've protected this thing that you considered so precious and you didn't share it with anyone. Meanwhile, everybody was already moving past you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everything's a commercial. I mean, that's what people don't realize. Like as I've gotten in more into running, (laughs) running a business and learning marketing and advertising, I'm just, the more and more you realize everything's a commercial. If, if, if I'm directing a movie and let's say I'm not auditioning, but I'm a director, producer, and an actor comes up to me and, and they know about that and they're talking to me and they're telling me a little bit about what they do and what they've done. That's a commercial. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's all a commercial. I mean, if I approach someone and I want to date them and I tell them a bit about this commercial, you know, it's all a commercial. We're always marketing and advertising to each other all the time. It just depends on how, how we do it. You know, like the old model with TV, people want, people only had one resource to get their entertainment that way. So they had to watch it. And so you could grab them by the shoulders and say, look at me and listen to me. I'm going to tell you about Tide. Yeah. laundry detergent <laughs> and you're going to wash your damn clothes with it. Cause it's this good, you know, and then people would, no, that's, that's a, that's a great ad. I should do that. It's like, Hey, this is a great detergent. <laughs> um, so, you know, but, but now because we have, you know, it's so dispersed, you know, we have so many different channels of, uh, ways in which we're getting things. Um, you know, uh, advertising is coming in a different way, but I think like, you know, there's this, because TV, I mean, at least with our generation of it all and, and maybe the generation before us, TV was like this thing. So people kind of great created this negative, um, negative thing to commercials in a sense, like, Oh, I hate commercials. I don't want to watch commercials. The thing is, is it's not like they've changed. And in fact, there's probably more than ever now. It's like, there's more advertising than ever. It's just that what you didn't like about it was not the commercial. What you didn't like about it was that they made you watch the commercial that you weren't interested in. Like they made you watch something that it's, that you didn't want to watch, but like, like, but people like, like Super Bowl commercials, for example, but then they try to tailor those to the people who, you know, watch the Super Bowl. So it's a little bit, and and they look at it, you know, these companies look at it a little bit more like, okay, well, what is this group of people into? Let's tailor. We watch them very closely you know, put a lot of money into that. These pay off very big, obviously. Um, you know, and so it's interesting, right? Because we think that we don't like commercials and I have a point to this, Yeah. but we think we don't like commercials. What we don't like is being interrupted. We don't like being interrupted when we don't want to be interrupted and we don't want to be interrupted about the thing we're not interested in. And I think when I'm bringing this back to you as an artist, you're walking around a commercial, you're a walking commercial. Yeah. You know, and if you're not willing to share your art and you're not willing to share and tell people about what you do and expose yourself to the world, then, you know, because you think that there's something bad about that, you're probably not going to have a very successful career. And I think 
you don't want to go interrupting people about things that are no value to them that they don't want to see. But if you can connect your value to yourself and you know that sharing that is sharing a value, your commercial becomes something that people want to see. So it's not the commercial. They just, people don't not like you advertising yourself. They don't like it when it, when it stops them doing what they want to do and it stops them or they're looking at something they don't necessarily get any value back from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I I have to agree with you in, in a lot of ways there. It's like, you know, we're all, we're all sort of selling ourselves, you know, in some, in, in so many ways every day of our lives, you know, we're selling ourselves as this or as that, you know, with our friends, with strangers, with, you know, what, what have you. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, there's like, we're, we're all doing it. So <laughs> we have, to. what can, yeah, we, how I would mean, anyone know about you if you didn't sell yourself to some degree, if you didn't it, like, even if you just stand in front of me, you're just a person, you're advertising yourself, the clothes you're wearing, the way you take care of your body, the way you talk, the things you say, the way you wear your hair, yeah. how you look at me, how you don't look at me that's an advertisement. Yeah. You're yeah. selling yourself as something. And yeah. that doesn't mean that you are a sell out, no. you know, like so to speak. Although apparently a lot of people, a lot of people don't know what a sellout is anymore. We should talk about it. All right. Let's bring this up. <clears throat> yeah. Let's bring out sell out. I mean, let me, I, I, I personally think, and if people on this other line don't agree with me, then write in please. And let's talk about it. But I personally think you're always selling yourself, whether you like it or not, you're always selling and you're always leading. You're always doing those two things, no matter what. And and I, and I believe those to be true because if any time someone can see you or can't see you, you're leading them. And I know this sounds crazy, but if you're in a, in, in a social scenario and you pull out your phone, you might not tell anyone else to pull out their phone. And you might say, Hey, it's up to them whether they want to pull out their phone. But if they see you pull out your phone, that gave them the thought to pull out their phone and therefore they may pull out their phone. Therefore you led them. So we're always leading. If you're not there to pull out your phone or not pull out your phone, the events that happened in some way, you led those as well by your, your not being there. So we're always doing something. And I think where we want to look at is like, is it important I show up to this event? because of how, you know, I want to lead it. And and if I miss it, what's the, what's the effects on that? And if I'm there, how do I want to be while I'm there? And I think that we kind of think that, you know, I know I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, but I think sometimes I can step out and like people just don't see me and I become invisible. It's not true. And the other thing is, is that I'm always selling myself. So, you know, whether I, whether I'm trying to sell something and I'm actively trying to do it or I'm not trying to do it at all, it's still happening because anytime someone sees me there, you know, there's something, they're getting a hit of something, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if we wear a shirt, even if it has one logo on it, if, or it doesn't have a logo on it, but even if it has a logo on it, that's a commercial right there. We're walking commercial. Okay. So, Anyway, I just, I thought that was a good ground thing to lay it out. I think I repeated myself, but no, 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 I, I, I don't think you repeated yourself. And sometimes repeating (laughs) is a, sometimes repeat. I mean, hell I teach Meisner. I'm all about, (laughs) I'm all about repetition. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely. I, I love, you know, and you, you touched on to something great where I feel in that, like, you know, we do, we feel so often we feel like we're just sort of invisible 
you know, like yeah. we're just, you know, floating about on our own. Nobody really, really notices us or, or, you know, we don't really have an impact on, on anything, you know, we're just walking down the streets or, <laughs> you know, in our car or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you notice other people around you, you notice the things they wear, you notice, you know, the things that they're doing, you notice the, sometimes the conversations that they're having, the way that they, they carry themselves, present themselves, you know, and, and we, you know, sometimes we make judgments about them. Oftentimes probably we make judgments about them, Yeah. but we, we take that in. And for some reason, a lot of times we think that we are, we are somehow, you know, not, we don't function in the same way, mm-hmm. you know, that we're just like, Oh no, I'm the only one who has awareness, which is kind of a screwed up thing. Like, I know I'm guilty of this. You said that you're guilty of that, where you just think it's like, no, nobody really notices. Nobody really yeah, figures I mean, that I'm here or, you know, I'm like, nobody's having any sort of response one way or the other to, to my presence. And I would say more often than not, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting too, because when people have a very high view of themselves, which I think is a good thing, um, they tend to be a little bit more willing to be in the limelight, willing to be visible. Um, if they think people perceive them in a positive way, or they maybe perceive themselves as being really good at something or valuable or whatever, right? Whereas where someone maybe, and this could be projective and just my own experience of the world, but observational as well. But when people are um, you know, they have lower self-esteem. They don't feel as good about themselves. They feel like people look at them negatively, whatever they might want to do, the more invisible thing. It's yeah. The louder person, you know, the person who's kind of in the limelight, the person who steps up, we might put more weight on that. I think culturally we do that because we look to people we want to be more like, or we look to people we want to be less like you know, mm. and we, we point those two out and they're more visible. And then everyone who's kind of in the middle, you know, they're the ones who can kind of do the invisible, you know? So invisible though, like when you're kind of walking around and you don't want to be seen, it's kind of like, you don't really stand for anything. You're kind of like kind of conforming, fitting with the status quo. And I think as an artist, you need to, you need to be willing to go to either end of the spectrum to some degree. You need to be willing to be either really liked or really disliked. And and make neither right or wrong because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's, you know, that at least you're acknowledging the fact that you're being seen and you're taking something, but everybody's being seen. I mean, even if you're in the crowd, you're a part of this crowd being seen. Even if your face isn't identified, you're a collection of the, the crowd, you know? Yeah. Like in school, when, uh, two kids get into a fight, if the observers, you know, the people who circle around and watch the fight all stepped away, it changes the dynamic of the whole thing. Um, you know, let me share an example. And I don't know if I shared this before, but I think it's a really good one. Um, you know, in, uh, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. It, <laughs> so I was walking along and, um, it was uh, nighttime. It was over downtown near Granville there and Granville in Georgia. And, uh, <clears throat> there was, uh, two guys looked like they were fighting, right? And like they're, they're grabbing each other. They're yelling at each other. There's a whole crowd circled around and nobody's doing anything. And I, and I'm walking along and I'm just like, you know, and the crowd is kind of, I'm watching this and I, I don't know what came over me, but 
<laughs> on this evening, I just felt I could take control and I grabbed one guy and I grabbed the other guy and I grabbed them both by the collar and I held them apart. It was really weird. And they were, and I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> and one guy, and I thought they were fighting, right? But it turned out the one guy was actually, um, and I'm holding this guy off. Yeah. It's weird. You know, like, you, like I look back and I'm like, how do I even have the strength to do this stuff? But I'm holding them and he says, this guy stole something from the store. And then I looked at this guy and he goes, is that true? And he goes, he's like, he, no, he's like, I didn't. I'm like, well, if you didn't steal anything, what's the problem? And he's like, and he's like, he did steal. He did steal. I'm like, okay, well, he's like, he's like, it's in his bag. I'm like, okay, we'll open up your bag. If it's, in, if it's not in your bag, then you didn't steal it. And he's like, no, I'm not opening up my bag. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like, we're not, I'm not letting you go. <laughs> so, you know, and then he's like, and then, so basically, um, I kind of confirmed that this guy actually worked there. And this guy was actually just based on how this all went down. And the guy um, basically wanted to contain him or cuff him or whatever. Right. I don't know how they do it. Whatever. Something like that. Um, and so I did this and then it turned out the guy did steal something. And, you know, I helped basically stop a shoplifter. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, all these people are saying, well, this woman comes up to me from the crowd and she says, you can't do that. You can't, you can't grab people. And I was just like, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what are you doing standing around watching this then move on? You know what I mean? Like, like if you know, like this person's stealing, right? Like, they, like, and I don't know about you, but I don't think that's a good thing. You know, if people are going, I don't even care about his yeah. reasons. He's, he, you know what? If you're a good thief, don't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He's stealing. And, and I was the only person in this entire, and there must've been 20 or 30 people around. And I was the only person to stand up and do anything. And I think this is the thing is that for me, I don't mind standing into the limelight. I don't mind. I've been highly liked. I've been highly disliked. So, you know, you kind of become a little bit more immune to it. But when people kind of want to conform, you end up being a part of this crowd, but you're allowing this stuff to happen in the world, you know? Yeah. And it looked dangerous to me when I, you know, when I thought about this, this one security guard guy who could have had the whole community there helping him, and they're all just standing back watching the show. Like it's a UFC fight or something, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, what, where's our sense of responsibility in the world? Where's our sense of like, Hey, like I matter, like I'm actually someone in the world who could do something. And I think it's not that it's not that people don't, I think people don't realize they can do anything because I don't think they value themselves enough. They don't see themselves as visible, but yeah. you're visible. You're there. You don't, you, you're, you're never really like, a spectator in a real life event. You're actually a part of it. You're, you're in the scene of the movie, so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, you know, in your example there of, of, you know, this event that happened to you, you know, it's, you know, it's in this one thing, it's like, it doesn't mean, and it, you know, I don't think it means that like, oh, hey, you know, if there's, there's, you, you see like what looks like a fight's breaking out, you got to run and break up a fight. That was you know, just one option. You could go call the police. You could do a whole bunch of other options. Yeah. You, and, you know. and I mean, it's like, but it could be in so many different scenarios. Like what if you, you see somebody, you know, just like crying, you know, like on a park bench or something like that. Like you can go up and you can, and you can, you can say like, are you okay? Like, like, do you need to talk to somebody like that? That is an act too. You can do something yeah. and it could be extraordinarily transformative to somebody, you know, but we feel like, Oh, just mind your own business. And you know, it's like, it's like, we're afraid of what, like, you know, in that particular example, like they could just say, no, I just want to be alone. It's like, okay, 
Fair enough, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe just the very fact that you acknowledge that this person was in distress helps them. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't mean you have to like force yourself into this situation, you know, but it's, um, you know, it's, and even on a more subtle level, like it's extraordinary on like what we, what we pick up on and how much we are impacted. I, I, I don't know why this is just, this is conversation has just brought this back to my mind. I remember I had a, um, uh, a great teacher, um, I did a workshop with here in Vancouver named, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Carter. And, uh, he had us do this, you know, just like this sort of experimental thing where it was, I can't remember what he called, called this thing, but it was, um, it was like, he just wanted us to go out into like a real life setting. We got out of the classroom and we all went off on our separate ways and we basically wrote about our environment where we were. So I went and I sat in this, I just sat in this cafe, right? I just sat in this little, um, Finch's coffee, Finch's tea house, Finch's coffee house, tea house. I know that one. Is that downtown? Yeah. It's like just sort of like cusp of, uh, of gas town there. They have really good sandwiches. Really great sandwiches. I love that. And baking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Finch's. (laughs) Yeah. Good. We should, Finch's, Finch's. I'm not trying to remember that for the, um, (laughs) so anyway, I went and I, I just sat in this place on, in this afternoon. It was, you know, pretty quiet and just started writing, about, you know, like the, the people and, and where I was seeing, not just like the, the place itself, like the physical location, there was a little bit of that, but it, I realized, and, you know, I think this is part of like his intention is you start actually making your environment about the people that are in it as opposed to like, okay, well, because the details of like, oh, okay, well it's these dark wood floors and you know, they have antique furniture. Like that's all kind of trivial in the grand scheme of it. I ended up writing like I, and everybody else came back and it was the same thing. Wow. Everybody came back and they just like the most stuff they had written about was, were the people that were around them who they didn't, who we never even had a conversation with really. I had a conversation like other than like the, the girl who was working at, you know, the front, you know, who I ordered tea from. Right. So I was writing about this person. I don't know their names, but also like I had this, these whole things about like what I actually thought was going on with them. Like, just like it, it, maybe some of them are completely wrong. Maybe that's not the point. The point is, is that I actually got all of these perceptions about these people. I picked up all of these things just based on sitting in a place, not even having a conversation with any of these people that were around me. Hmm. And it's like, it, it was extra. And I remember, um, sort of like the next day after we had done this exercise, uh, and we were talking a little bit about it and he said like, Oh, like what, what, you know, did you have any new thoughts about it? And I had mentioned something about that. It's like, I was surprised at how much I picked up on, like how much was actually, like how much I actually thought about all of these seemingly peripheral things in my environment. And then he just asked me, he said, he's like, he's like, well, when I came in today, like what, like, yeah, or he actually, he asked me to close my eyes that moment. He said, close your eyes. And he's like, he's like, describe me when I came in today. 
So I was describing like what I remembered of what he was wearing at first. And then it got into, it's like, and I was like, there's something I'm like, there was something bothering you today. And like, I, I, this was something that wasn't even a super conscious thing for me, but all of a sudden I was like, yeah, yeah, there was something, there's something a little bit bothering you. There's something like a little bit of a chip there when you came in and whatever. And so then he had me open my eyes and for the most part I was right about physically what he was sort of like wearing his clothes and all of that. And I was like, well, what about the rest? And he's just like, <laughs> You'll never know. Well, he for said, those people on the other side. Yeah, he just shrugged. shrugged. Well, he shrugged, <laughs> and then and then he actually did say. He says you have an empathetic gift, <laughs> mm. and it's like whoa, like that was crazy because I think that most people probably actually have have that. You know, like we just we kind of undervalue this these sort of intuitive feelings that we get. You yeah. know, somebody walks in, they they appear normal, but we go uh, like there's there's something that's like, Oh, I don't know. You seem like to be pretty cheerful today, you know? And it's like, and we'll say something, you get laid last night or something, <laughs> you know? but it's like, it's, it's so interesting. And, and I feel like based on sort of what we're talking about here, yeah. it's uh, it's a great reminder of all of that. Just like how much you impact people. Yeah. That, know? that sharing that, thanks for sharing that story. I mean, the, the fact that you were in this cafe and people were coming back and describing more of the people. And it's true. I mean, people affect things so greatly. Like, you know, if you're in a cafe and there's nobody there, that's one experience. And if there's one other person there, that's an experience. And if there's a bunch of other people, that's an experience. And I think that, um, you know, we just, we don't always realize like, you know, I used to do this thing. It's interesting. I used to do this thing when I was younger where, Uh, I think I've shared a bit of a story, but a a time when my parents were splitting up, we had lost a lot of our money and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's just a troubling time in my life. Um, challenging time for our whole family, but, um, I used to just go and I would walk the streets in the middle of the night and almost never see a soul just walk alone and think. And it was really good for me. It was very meditative. And this one night there was a couple guys older than me. Uh, I must've been only 15, I think maybe 16. Anyway, I was right around there. They were older, they were bigger and they, you know what, this total projection and maybe a judgment, but they look kind of like kind of goons, you know, kind of like bullies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were out to trouble, you know, yeah. and like what, and they're walking together and, and you know, it's like your animal instinct, my animal instincts going off. There's something in me that was going off. Like I, you know, normally I walk across somebody. I don't, if I did see somebody and never had this kind of feeling come up, but I was like, mm, something's wrong here. And I heard them talking and then I could see them. They were kind of looking at me. And, um, it, it was this weird kind of, uh, cause I was in the suburbs, this weird kind of area where the cul-de-sac kind of bent sideways and it kind of led into another road. And I could see that they were, um, they were like kind of, I don't know. Like I'd been jumped before at this point. So I have already had that experience of walking up to a group of people thinking that nothing would happen and then being surprised. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I feel like these guys are going to be trouble. And then sure enough, there's another guy, an older man, and he was walking his dog. So I crossed the street or I think I walked over by him and, or something like that. But I remember thinking like, man, if that man with the dog wasn't there, how would that have gone down? you know, cause I was prepared to run. I was prepared to whatever. And 
this man with the dog has no concept. I'm certain that it had really any effect whatsoever on my life. But the fact that he was there out there walking his dog was one of those moments where suddenly I felt safe. Uh, you know, I felt like, okay, you know, everything's okay now. It's, it's kind of created an equilibrium. And had those two other guys not been there, you know, it would have just walked along like any other night, just kind of thinking of doing it. So people have this massive effect and they don't even know, like these two guys probably didn't realize how much I, I, you know, this is like, this is like, you know, 15, 16 years later. And I still remember this event like pretty vividly. Um, and I'm sure that the man and those two guys, they don't remember, they don't remember this event. I'm sure that yeah. it's the furthest thing from their mind. And in fact, they don't eat if, you know, they don't even remember it even happened. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. <laughs> Yet, they, <laughs> you know, maybe they do. I don't know. What their experience that would was. be really bizarre. It's like, Oh, remember that time of the night there's that kid walking by and we were going to beat the crap out of him. And then there's that dude with his dog and we couldn't. <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> the, the point, the, yeah, exactly. And so then the point was, is that, you know, we all, we all have, we all have a, a presence and we're all making an impact. And I think that, you know, in the, in the nature of the way this conversation is going is just that, yeah, like, I think that we, an artist could, could benefit from simply going like, you know, what, what, what am I doing? What's my impact right now? Like, how am I changing this scenario? Just simply being here, even if I do nothing, but how, what's my impact? Because there is an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, it's, it, I mean, that would be, I feel in some ways that would be an almost impossible question to answer entirely, Mm -hmm. you know, like without really actually asking somebody, you know, like, how can you, possibly know. Well, you don't, but my point was, is that you realize you're making an impact. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That you're visible, that, yeah. that, that you, you're, you know, no matter how low you feel about yourself, you, you're still there. You're, you, you matter. You're a person, you know, you're, you're changing the environment. You're impacting the experience of it. Like you, when you're at the cafe, most of those people probably didn't realize the impact they were having on your life. You know what I mean? And you're writing about them and same with everyone else in your room. And mostly I think I'm in the cafe. There's always people around. I'm not writing about it, but unconsciously they're all having an impact on me. And I'm not, I'm not even acknowledging how all these other people are having an impact on me. Right. Let alone how I'm having it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like we, we, we pass it along. So I mean, and it's not like, I'm not saying like, these, these people, you know, who are is somewhat like to your peripheral, you know, in your life, you know, like we're constantly, you know, depending on where we're going, our day-to-day activities, like we don't, you know, like we don't necessarily strike up a conversation with most people that we encounter in our, in our lives. It's just not possible. Um, but the fact that like, you know, these people aren't, they're not necessarily going to change your life just by their presence of being in a coffee shop. But the point is that you actually is to acknowledge that we, there's a part of us that does acknowledge them and is making, is like, in some ways, I I don't want to use the word, the term sizing people up, you know, like there's maybe a degree to that, but you know, you, you walk into a place, you don't even have an interaction with anyone in this particular room, but at the same time, you suddenly realize that you have all of these assumptions and all of these thoughts, all of these opinions about all of these people, 
that are around you. Like yeah. if you take a second to actually just go, Oh, what do I think about that? That person who's, you know, sitting next to me or who's sitting across the room from me. And so it's like, Oh yeah, well, I don't know. They look like they're kind of like shy to themselves, you know, like they, they look like they want to be left alone. You know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they just broke up with like their, their boyfriend or something like, <laughs> and next thing you know, you've got this, you've just weaved this whole fabric of this story about this person that you don't even know their name. No. And it's pretty wild, but we do it. Mm-hmm. We actually like, we, we kind of just start to put all of these things together. It's like subconsciously we're like, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how we create stories to make sense of the world around us, Mm -hmm. you know, and that could be, that could be part of it, like on, on a level that we don't often explore. Well, you know, it's interesting too. Now we've ventured into this because earlier I was talking about how we're all walking commercial (laughs) and yeah, I'm not saying we're all good commercials. I'm not saying, and and by good, I mean, some of us are, are putting forward negative stuff that we don't really want to perpetuate in the world, you know? So, and this is one that I've been working on because, you know, I went through a little bit of a period where I went through some challenging times and I realized I wasn't smiling as much as I normally smile. And it's hitting me more now in this conversation more than ever. But I, 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 but, um, a little while back, I realized I am going to actively walk out my door and I'm going to smile more. And in fact, not even just when I walk out my door, I'm just going to smile more in my house because I know that the physiological effect of that just physiologically makes me feel better. I know that as a human thing, if you smile, it's almost impossible to feel sad. But if I walk around smiling, not like, not like, you know, whatever, but just connecting to like, what's the joy? What's, what am I happy about? You know, and I've noticed, and you, you know, I, 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 I challenge anybody to do this test, go walk around and start smiling and start connecting to why you're joyful and start looking at people. And you know what? People will smile back at you because when they see someone smile, I think we want to return that. And we like to see a smiling face. And I think about the times where I was not walking around so much with a smile, wasn't necessarily getting that. And the thing is, is that that's, you know, I, I'm leading in a way I'm, I'm influencing, yeah. you know what I mean? And do I want to walk around in a world where everybody's down or do I want to walk around in a world where everyone smiles? And so in a sense, it's my responsibility to smile and be joyful if that's the world I in fact want. And I shouldn't expect that everyone else should just smile if I'm not even willing to do it myself, because in many ways, my smile informs other people to smile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like their smile will inform others and we can all help each other. But someone's got to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to start doing this good thing and broadcasting this commercial. Yeah, absolutely. Like spreading, spreading some joy Mm -hmm. in the world, because that's, that's, I, I feel like our natural state actually like humanly, I feel like we are all inclined to feel, to feel joy. That's all what we want to, even when we are in like, the thing is like when, you know, we go through bouts and like, I've dealt with depression and, you know, I know that like, we've talked about it, you've dealt with depression, you know, I, you know, I'm sure so many people have dealt with depression in their lives. And it's like, and you don't want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we want to feel joyful all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best way to do that is to go ahead and try and spread some joy, try and give somebody else a little bit of joy in their lives, whether that's just a positive interaction with someone, you know, and just being like, 
you know, it's interesting. We're talking about depression here and I, I, and this cold commercial thing. And I think we're commercialized. We're advertised into feeling depression. I mean, because when I think about when I, when I felt it, um, is that I felt my life had to be some certain way, or I had to have certain things or be some certain person or dress some certain way. And I've since realized that like, you know, that's not true. And you know what? In fact, if I had all that stuff, I wouldn't necessarily want it if it wasn't real. I mean, you know, um, I don't know, maybe I'll get a bit heavy here, but like, you know, you see these, you know, you get to know people. I don't know. You turn 30, you start people getting married, they're in relationships, whatever you start to, you know, you see what they present on the surface, but you get to know people, you start to find out about their real lives and you start to find out like, yeah, I think we all have this broadcast commercial where we, we kind of tell people, we, we buy into the commercialism of, Oh, get married, buy a house, do this thing. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> and okay, I, I actually best commercial for the Western world I've ever heard. Yeah, right. <laughs> Buy a house, get married, yeah. have kids, get a dog, die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Keep it. smiling. <laughs> so, you know, you see that you see the, you see the front, right? You see what people present about, nobody wants to walk around like their life's messed up. You know, everybody wants to walk around and put on the mask. Hey, everything's good. I'm doing my life. Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Right. But you know, you start to get to know people, you start to find out stuff like people start to find out that like, Oh, this person over here, um, you know, they're, they found out their partner has been cheating on them or this person found out their partner has been cheating on them or they found out that like, this person just suddenly doesn't love them anymore. Yeah. Or like, it's just crazy. Exactly. Or, you know, you find out stuff about people and like, uh, you know, and, 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 and to me it's interesting because I like, I don't like that this is a normal thing, but like people will tell their friends, like someone will be in a relationship with someone and they're willing to tell their friends certain things, but they're not willing to tell their partner certain things. And I think about that. Who's the close friend? Who's the one who's really close to you? This person you say you're going to spend the rest of your life with or, or the friend who you might only see on weekends or once a month and you're sharing them more secrets, secrets you would never in your life share with your partner, this life partner you have, who's the close friend? This life partner is not a real partner. They don't know you. They know the image of you, right? And so like, I think that we need to be like, we are commercial in a sense and we need to start... Uh, and, and this, this, you know, this whole podcast or broadcast, if we want to call it that is it's, it's about authenticity in art. It's about being authentically artistic, but being authentic, you know, and if you want to be like a great artist, if you want to be just great in life, I think you got to be brave and courageous enough to be authentic. You know, this is in what your I, life. this is what I really think. This is how I really feel. And you know what, if you don't like me for that, it's okay. But if I need you to like me, so I'm willing to like, we're, we're talking about selling out. This is my version of selling out. If I need to pretend to be someone other than I am, and I can't tell you certain things about me now because I'm scared you won't like me. That to me is selling out. That to me is going, I'm going to, I'm going to falsify myself. I'm going to hide my true self from you so that you like me because I'm too scared if you don't like me for who I really am. But now what does that reinforce? It reinforces the idea that if I ever show you who I really am, it will never be good enough. Why do you think people are depressed and don't feel good enough? <laughs> it's so obvious. I mean, I, I look at this, I go, obviously, like when I was depressed, I thought I needed to be someone other than who I really was. I got out of my depression by going, no, wait a minute. Who I am is just 
fine. It's, it's great. In fact, it's better than great. And you know what? I realized that everyone else is just scared to be themselves. So you know what I said? I'm going to be myself. And once I started doing that, as scary as that was, people started going, that's cool. You know, I like that. I like how you just say it, Brandon. I like how you just say it. And I'll go, yeah, because you know what? Do it. Be courageous. Just say what you want to say. Be who you are. And you know what? If everybody lies, we all got to conform to the lie. Because now we're, if you tell the truth in a, in a group of liars, the liars are going to look at you as weird. But if you can get one person to start telling the truth, two people start telling the truth with you, if you really want to be close with them, the liars become the, the people that look weird right? Yeah. But now we live in a society of liars. We live in a society of fake. Of course, people don't feel good enough because if you were your real self, your true self, you don't think that's good enough. That's why you've added all these fake things on top of it to pretend to be someone you're not. That's what and I then, think selling out is though. Selling out is pretending to be something other than what you are. Yeah, I think so. I mean, think about yeah. anyone who's ever sold out, quote unquote, sold out are they selling out? Are they really being them genuine selves? No. And it's not like people, like people don't just sell out. Like they aren't just born sellouts. They become sellouts because they adopt lies. And then you adopt enough lies. You start to live those lies. And then you start to sell out because you start living those lies. Yeah. I mean, it's just about, um, it's like, it's compromising your integrity, you know, knowingly like going in and agreeing to compromise a part of yourself that's important. Hmm. You know, it's like, I I think a lot of times like in, in music, you know, music is a big thing where like the word sellout is thrown around a lot. It's like, Oh man, those guys used to be great until they sold out. You know, they did like (laughs) a, they put their song on a Coca-Cola commercial or something like that. Right. It's like, that doesn't necessarily make somebody a sellout. You know, like but a lot of people do. I think that that's a very superficial way of looking at somebody selling out. I, th- I like your interpretation of, of a sellout a lot better, you know, well, if you, if you, you know, and I think this is the problem. We, we, we say that commercials are bad. Commercials aren't bad. It's the interruption that we don't like. The, the question about the commercial is that, do I agree? Do I agree with that do do I, am I interested in, in, in that commercial Tide or Coca-Cola yeah. or what is it know? saying? You know, is like, it, is it saying, does this, does, does, yeah. Like, do I feel like this is, you know, reflects me in some way, yeah. you know? And, and if it, if it does, like, if it does, if you do feel like you're, you're honoring, you're not compromising yourself, then there's nothing to be, somebody else might call you a sellout. But again, that has, you know, that has very little to do with you and probably more to do with that person. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you were talking about music and I'm not, I'm not too familiar with actually like playing music. I'm not a musician. I wouldn't say, I mean, I dabble, but yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've been venturing into the whole, um, producing and financing for artists and stuff. And what I found in the industry of, of artists, it's a brief experience, but I found that there's a certain kind of support that comes with musicians. Um, uh, but I also found that there's this weird, and I was kind of like, um, surprised to experience it because even the art, it's not even the artists who are tearing the person down, but it's like the person actually doesn't believe that they like, they think they're selling out because they're, because their peers who are quote unquote supportive of them kind of call them a sellout if they go and do the things that actually make a musician commercially successful. Right. And the thing is, is like, I don't think to be an, a musician, at least, I mean, I'm not, 
granted, I'm not the most aware of this industry yet, but I think you don't necessarily have to be a seller to be a successful musician, but you do need to understand the business of what gets music made and what, how get, you know, how, how does music get shared and how do people become, you know, you need to understand that. It doesn't make you a sellout to participate in that. It makes you a sellout if you're going against your integrity and going against what you believe to be right. Yeah. As far as your sound and your, you know, your expression. Like if you're like, for example, if, if you're an alternative chick, for example, and then they <laughs> want to turn you into Barbie and, and that's not you, then that would be selling out if you started to go Barbie, if you really truthfully did not want to express that to other people in the world, yeah. that, that's what you are and that's what you promote. But, um, so don't give up your alternative roots, but if, you know, you want to stay alternative and you want to play in the business side of it and you want to look at like, okay, well, what are the things that you're going to need to do as an alternative artist to be successful? That's not selling out. And I think like, for example, um, I know one person who made a music video and it, it was very commercial looking and it was beautiful. It was awesome. And you know, they were saying, yeah, people were calling me a sellout for doing this commercial. And I thought, do you feel bad about it? You, when you did it, you believed in what you were doing. So what's the problem? Who cares what they think? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this, this music video is fantastic. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that you get this kind of, I think sometimes artists use this word as a weapon and it's, and it's used inappropriately because it hurts us all. Well, I mean, it's used like, because especially when it's used to attack somebody, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, like in it, when somebody attacks you, it's because, you know, they, there's some sort of a perceived attack on themselves. You know, it's like for, like, for, for example, like with keeping with the music idea, you know, like a, a, you know, a fellow musician might call another one because they did, you know, uh, uh, more what quote unquote commercial style music video and, and they get some success out of it. So they, so somebody else goes like, Oh, you sold out, you sold out. Like you, you gave up your integrity to do this. It's like, that's not necessarily true. There could be a whole lot, there could be a whole lot of anger issues that someone has for themselves that they, they were, didn't get that opportunity. There could be Mm -hmm. jealousy that's involved with that. There could be a lot of frustration for their own careers that, you know, that this sort of lashing out has, has occurred. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it's, there, there can also be a misperception of who you are. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe you're not a fellow musician. Maybe you were a fan or something and you, and you see this and you're like, what? No, that's, that's not how I know you. That's not how I know you. It's like, well, did you really actually know these people? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you listen to some of their music and certainly there can be a lot you can, know about somebody, you know, based on that work. I mean, art should be an expression of yourself and music is an art. So, (laughs) you know, that's my favorite music is stuff where it's like, you can tell it really comes from the soul, but you know, there, that's, that's oftentimes a certain part of somebody, you know, like that's not a whole encompassing picture of someone, you know, somebody your whole life and they'll say something to you that you just go like, what, (laughs) you know, like there's, there's, it's infinite the amount of things that you can, you can learn about somebody. I mean, we're constantly, we're like, we're learning about ourselves until the end of, you know, until the end of our lives. Totally. Well, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, uh, someone shared with me last summer, I I think it was, we were having a conversation. Um, a bunch of my, a bunch of my like producing friends kind of took me out, you know, on the town and stuff for, 
And we had a great time and they introduced me to a bunch of people and I shared some of the challenges I've had as an artist. And we're like, and I was telling them about a friend that I had that did something like similar to this. And, and they said, that's a friend of me. <laughs> it's someone that poses as a friend, but really they're an enemy, you know, friend of me. And I thought, Oh, that's a funny little word. And I thought, you know, it's true. You know, sometimes we have these people around us who, and they're the ones who do the most damage where, you know, you call, you call them a friend, but they're really, you know, they don't, they, they don't behave like a friend. And I think that you got to get, you know, you got to get, when you're listening to people's advice, um, are they vested in any way? Like, are they, um, do, do they, like, you know, if, if, if they, if there's some personal thing for them and they're doing a negative, like, like, well, what's all that about? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, are they just, are they just tearing you down? Yeah. Like, or are they, they, do they really want to help you or are they just tearing you down? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I can think of all sorts of examples, you know, of people, you know, you tell them about something that you're doing. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this. And they're like, they're like, they're like, Oh, great, great. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And you're just like, uh, good sign of frenemy right there. Yeah. Frenemy. You know, it's, I, this is a funny word, right? I think you got to be really mindful of, of who you like. Everybody can be a friend, but the thing is, is like, you know, for the most part, I mean, mo- like, it's not like someone's not but I think you got to call someone out and, and you know, when, if someone says something that's negative, I think you got to stop them right there in your tracks and say, well, why are you saying that? Like, what, what is that about for you? What, why? And, and really like, cause you know, I think sometimes people don't even realize they're hurting each other. You know, like, it's not like, I think sometimes there's when people get malicious or they get spiteful, you know, um, they've gone pretty far. Things have gone pretty far. Yeah. But for the most part, I think sometimes people throw these backhanded compliments out, you know, there are things that kind of tear you down, but they don't even realize they're tearing you down. Um, and I think you got to call people out on that and say, well, you know, um, you know, like for example, I've told people, I've said, you know, I'm, I don't want you to take offense to this, but about this particular topic, I'm not really interested in your opinion. And that's a hard comment for someone to hear. But I just tell them because I'm like, I want to be in my integrity here. Your opinion right now distracts me from what I'm doing. Yeah. And you know what? And, and I, and I get that that might upset you, but I need to keep my, my, I need to keep this clear. So as far as this topic goes, I don't want to discuss that with you. Yeah. That's a hard thing to say to somebody really hard. It can be. And you might lose a friend out of it, but you know what? I think real friends will go, okay, I can respect that. No problem. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, is like, like for example, I've shared ideas with people about stories and I'm very careful about who I share my stories with now. I've shared this before, but sometimes people will tear down a story, um, because they don't understand it. And so like you kind of, you know, like for example, they might not understand. Like, for example, I have one producing friend, for example, and I I'm careful about the stories I share with him because when I share him a story, he'll say, well, it wouldn't make money. Well, okay, great. Thanks. Okay. Like, like that's your first comment that comes out of your head. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to watch <laughs> that. Yeah. Know? It's like, it won't make money. Like that's the only reason to do something. I'm like, but, so I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If I'm going to talk about a really commercial film, let's talk about that. Cause that's where your head is. But I'm like, and I'll stop and I try to say this, this is going to be a great film or this is a great story. And you know what? Right now, this is a story that I'm working on. You know what I mean? Okay, great. Like, thank you. 
let's not talk about that anymore. That's not what I'm interested in right now. Right now I'm interested in this. And you know what's funny is people can say that all the time. They can say, oh, no one will watch that or that won't sell or whatever. Nobody and knows. And then they're totally wrong. Yeah, know? nobody knows. And then the thing they think will sell is the biggest piece of crap in the world. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bombs at the box office. Right. And yeah, nobody could give two shits. My point though, just before I, because I know you're about to say something, is that I don't think he realizes that when he says that, that it's being destructive to my creative flow. Yeah. He, he, that's not like a, he's not trying to be malicious. He's just saying that because that's how his mind works. Yeah. He's always thinking, how do I do the film that's going to make money? Right. And so, but I think that sometimes when you get to be in that producer mindset, you, your mind can get a little narrowed because you go, Oh, well, these are the types of films that make money. So stick in yeah. these genre films and blah, blah, blah. Right? But you know, I, I, what I want to add into this is that, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I feel like, like that, you like your response is, is like, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, sometimes you, you do, you know, you might feel yourself in a position where you just have to protect yourself, you know, from, from the comments of somebody else. And to be able to say, it's like, listen, like, you know, (laughs) I like you, but I just, I don't want to hear your opinion on this particular thing. Right. You know, and, and I would say a different approach to, to dealing with something like that might be to actually go into it with them in terms of not say like, okay, tell me why you think that it wouldn't do that. You're right. Not, not that, not, that's not the question. Right. The question to pose to that person is like, like, why would you ask me something like, or why would you say something like that? I want to understand why you would say, say something like that. Right. Because if it's a destructive thing, maybe you need to just go into that with them. It's just like, why, why do you feel it necessary? Cause that's my thing. You know, it's like when people are destructive, when people just want to tear, tear people's passions down, you know, it's such a crazy thing. And it's such an easy reaction to just like lash back out. Yeah. But to instead kind of flip it on its head and from a place just go like, like, geez, like why would, why would you do that? Why would you want to like, why would you want to say something like that? You know, and, and discourage me. I'm interested in, in that, right? Because often, and, and usually it's, you know, people's own, their own fears and insecurities and their own sense of identity that has caused them to say something like that. You know, it's like, it's like, well, okay, well, do you, do you feel like that's the only reason why a person should make a film or should do a project? Like, do you feel like that's the only reasonable you know, way to take on a project, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and get into it. And in that respect, you know, like take, take it off of, off of you and onto them. Because once somebody starts with saying that kind of stuff to you, I mean, you like, absolutely. Like you really don't want their opinion. No, like you don't. Right. But like, you know, just another way of not like, instead of not like just kind of, throwing it a little bit back at them and instead just being like, okay, like, let's actually like, let's talk about where this is coming from. I, you know, I agree with you. I, I, I do think that asking the question is, is better. And I think that you're the way you're suggesting is a much better way to go. It's not as Uh, easy, but, um, I I'm talking about the kind of person who, and I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because you have a different, we all have different thought objects in our head as we're trying to express an idea. I think when I was explaining about the person who I didn't want to hear their opinion anymore, um, was, would be someone who, when, when you ask them a question like that, they would be like, Oh, don't worry about it. No, just forget about it or something. But it's, 
it's like, no, I don't want to forget about it, you know, or like, or, and and it's just kind of like this dead end kind of conversation. And so, you know, there, there, there comes a point where you go, okay, well, you start to, you know, you might, there's two things. One is, okay, well, I don't share with this person certain creative things anymore because they tend to shut down certain creative things. That's, that's, that can be easy, but sometimes there's people who I've had in my life who are, they, they give a certain amount of value back when we talk about things, but then there's a certain area where they may be limited. And so you, you might go, well, for, okay, here's a better example. Uh, um, as someone who is really close to me, uh, in my opinion was quite misogynistic, you know? Right. Uh, and I, and I didn't like that about them. I didn't like this quality that they had. They were, they were hurt previously from some relationships, or at least they were carrying some hurt around. And they had uh, a rather, in my opinion, negative and I, I felt mostly kind of biased opinion that was somewhat inaccurate about women and relationships. And so, you know, when they would kind of go off and start telling me about women and whatever, I, I, that would be an example where I'd say, you know, okay, well, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear those judgments. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear that. And the, the, the problem was with this particular person is if I, they're a very dominating person also in a certain way. So it's hard to do them the method you were suggesting. Right. So, you know, when I'm thinking in my thought object of this person, I'm thinking that example, but actually, as you explained it, I'm going, yeah, it is always better to be curious. It's better to not just shut it down, but to open up the conversation and try to find it. I think sometimes though, you need to protect yourself as an artist. If someone's dominating and someone is like elusive and they won't answer your questions, I think sometimes you just got to be strong enough to say, cut it off. But I think 90% of the time, if you can do it the way you're talking about, I say do it that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's not the most instinctive response for us to have to instead like respond to somebody because, you know, I always feel it's like, you know, somebody comes at you with like, with a destructive thing or, or with anger or, or what have you, you know, it's not the easy thing to do, but you know, com- if you can somehow find a way to extend compassion to this person and get into it with them, I mean, that's, that's how you get to the truth of something. And you might end up through that conversation, you might end up showing that person something about themselves. That they didn't realize mm-hmm. about themselves. So instead of just it becoming this thing of, of like, I've got to protect myself and like box you out. Yeah. You actually maybe create a situation for this person to re-examine the way that they are in their lives like that. Yeah. And that would be a profound thing to be able to share with somebody. Right. Totally. But it's not easy. It's not like, easy. We're not wired to do that. No. You know, <laughs> I, I think like the, the, the way you're suggesting too, I mean, it takes a certain amount of personal development and personal growth to be able to do that because I thinking about my younger years and like how, I don't know, maybe, I mean, maybe it was possible, but you know, it, there was a certain like skill set I didn't have, I, you know, to also, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about like, I was thinking about as if I was listening to this podcast as though I was 17 and trying to like, try and let myself hear it. Like try and, you know, remember where was I then and trying to speak myself then because I, I was very sensitive when I was younger um, I was sensitive in a way where in the moment I would shrug it off and it wouldn't matter. But then later, you know, 
things would, I, I was very sensitive. I tried to like protect myself from that, but, um, be, you know, and I think there's people out there that are very sensitive and they don't know yet how to deal with their sensitivity. And if you get enough, if you're really sensitive and you're getting enough negative people around you, your sensitivity just like, can just be like, at least I experienced this where it was just like, I don't even want to go out in the world. I just don't even want to deal with this because I'm too sensitive to this negativity and I'm, I'm picking it up and I'm taking it on and it's getting in my head. Um, and it's clouding me. And so, you know, um, I think it's good to be sensitive and I think it's good to build these skills, but I think also a sensitive person sometimes needs to like, I think it's such a great value to be a sensitive person, but I think you also need to be a strong person. You need to be willing to walk away because like, you know, especially if you're, if you're, cause you're, we're in, you know, no one controls us, but we are influenced. People are influenced yeah. all the time. You know, we're, I'm influenced. I leave my house. I'm influenced. Oh, yeah, so, we've talked, been talking about that all, right. All Someone evening. picks up their phone. I'm in a social situation and I all of a sudden want to pick up my phone. I can hold resistance to that, but I'm influenced to some degree by it. And so I think that if you're around people that you feel are influencing you in a way that you don't want to be influenced, I think that you either need to step away from them or, or maybe tell them like, Hey, like this thing or this topic or whatever, like your opinions. Cause some people love to share their opinions. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess we're sharing our opinions, but I guess everybody loves to share their opinions. And I think sometimes when you're around someone and they say, you know, um, you have really strong opinions on this topic, you know? Um, and, and I know you want to talk about them, but, but I don't like, you know, you might say to them, like, I don't like, they're kind of affecting me. You know what I mean? Like I get it. I, I don't know if I accept it. I'm, I, you know, but I don't really want to talk about that particular topic. You know what right. I mean? I, I don't know. Like, haven't you ever had that experience where you're like, we're so, like, have you ever, I just like, want this person to stop talking. Yeah, like you, 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 you ever leave a movie? <clears throat> I, I, this happened to me both ways. I've left a movie. Uh, what was it called? Uh, it was that movie with Ben Affleck and it was where the meteors came down. Was that movie? Uh, oh, Armageddon. I hated that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. I hated it. I was like, this movie's <laughs> a joke <laughs> and all my friends loved it, you know, and all it they talk all about loving it. Right. And, and, and that soundtrack, man, Aerosmith. But at the time I didn't really like it. You know what I mean? And then there's other movies where I really liked, and then you have someone else around you who's like, that movie sucked because of this, because of that, because of whatever. And you're kind of like, like, let me just work on my own thoughts. Like, I don't want to hear all your opinions. Like when I leave a movie, I often, when I was younger, I would go to movies and I still do this. I actually really like going to a movie alone Yeah. because especially going to the theater, because I like the idea of being around people, but I like being in my own thoughts and getting to have my own experience. And when I'm around people that are too opinionated about the movie, like right after I'm like, let me digest. Let me figure this out for myself. Like, yeah. I don't want to start. Like if someone asked me about the movie, I don't want to start telling them your opinion. Cause it's what I think I think, you know, I haven't worked it out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming out of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, star Wars and hearing this guy go, Oh, <laughs> could have used more lightsaber battles. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> well, 
Williams. Like, where was that supposed to occur? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that was like, but, you know, that's, I guess that's my opinion on the whole matter. But, yeah, it's like, it, it was like right at the, like, the, the credits were still rolling. Like, it was just like, good to use more lightsaber battles. It's like, that's before the, it was even the scrolling credits, you know? <laughs> it's like, whoa, man, like... <laughs> Well, you know, I went to a, I went to a movie once, uh, Bridesmaids, and I was uh, the whole group of us. We all we were all trying to figure out what movie to see, and then Bridesmaids was coming out, and everybody was pretty pumped about it, except one guy in our group, and uh, and he reluctantly went with us. I mean, he didn't have to go, but he decided to go with us. And then he just decided before he even went to the movie that he wasn't going to like it. It didn't matter what we yeah. saw. We could have seen anything. It could have been the best movie in the world. He just decided he was not going to like it. And, uh, of course I had the luxury of sitting next to him throughout the whole thing. Wonderful. And, um, you know, and I was talking about being a sensitive person, you know, you just sit next to this person and when everyone laughs, they're not laughing and they're huffing and they're like, <sighs> and they're like, <sighs> you know, and you're just like, <laughs> God, like, you know what I mean? And it was so hard for me to enjoy the movie fully. I walked out and immediately I saw one of my friends and my friend goes, Hey, what'd you just see? And I saw, I always saw bridesmaids. He goes, how was it? I go, it was good. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And he's like, and he was, and he remember him looking at me and being like, Oh, and he was like, cause he was so excited to see it. And I was like, and I just let, and I walked by him and I thought I wanted to tell him, like, I just sat that sat next to someone who like, you know, it was like, like huffing I, and puffing. I don't know. And then I watched bridesmaids again the second time. And I thought it was hilarious. Like I laughed like you know, but I had a way better experience the next time just because I wasn't affected by this, you know what yeah. I mean? And afterwards, um, the friend, this guy, he was just talking negative about it. Like, and it was like, you know, I don't know, like it's, it, it's funny. Cause like, th- that's one thing, like, I like when you go to a movie and, um, I don't know, I just think it's better to share your positive thoughts. If you really have negative thoughts, I mean, you really got to like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, was it... Like, do you need to share that with everyone? Yeah, it's like, was it putting, like, for me, it's like, (laughs) if I have negative thoughts about some sort of a, you know, a a creative work, some artistic work, we'll we'll continue with film just because we're we're there. Um, And it's something that's pretty accessible. But it's like, I, whenever I have like a real issue with the film, it's like, well, what kind of a message was that sending? You know, that's usually when I get upset about a film and it doesn't happen too often where I'm just like, well, what is that saying about the world? Like, what is that putting out there? Like, what is that communicating? Because Mm. that's ultimately what the medium was originally for. That's what we do storytelling for. It's to, it's to tell messages and, and themes and, and, you know, wisdom, like we're, it's supposed to communicate that type of thing. And so, you know, when oftentimes when I see a movie where it's just like, it, it comes down to like simply, well, who's ever got like the biggest gun wins. Hmm. It's like, that's something that I just immediately go, what a, what a piece of garbage. Hmm. You know, like the, you've, you've literally contributed nothing, but basically saying more destruction mm-hmm. to the world. And that's, you know, just, that's my own sort of views on the world, you know, in terms of like what I feel like I want to 
to do and to create in the world. And so if I see something like that, then I'll go not worth seeing. <laughs> like I'll tell people, it's just like, yeah, it was, it was kind of garbage, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's we, pretty you know, rare that that happens. Yeah. I mean, we all have our, we all, we all have our values and why we're looking at and why we're watching a film, but I think, um, yeah, I mean to just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, right? It's, uh, it's interesting, but we're, I guess the point that we're, we're getting at is that we all, we all have opinions. We all influence each other. We're all our presence. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think that the, if we, if we valued that more, we'd be more mindful about we, what we said and did and how we did what we do, you know, like if, um, this friend of mine say at that theater, I don't think he realized he was having as much of an influence on all of us next to him as he thought, mm-hmm. you know, I think he literally just decided he was in his own world and he decided he didn't like that movie and he didn't care. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, also this particular guy is very like <laughs> conservative. So to see a bunch of women like talking about sex and like doing things that weren't womanly was pretty hard for him. <laughs> so that, that actually made me laugh because I'm like, right. come on, man, we're like in the 21st century. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, um, but anyway, uh, I don't think he realized how much his presence was affecting everyone else. But I think that, um, this conversation, if it can put any light on anything is that, yeah, we're always having an impact. And I don't think, like, I don't think he's a bad person. You know, I just think, he just didn't realize what he was doing, but you know, it's tough. Cause like, how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, what I would have liked to have done in my ideal world is what I would have liked to have done is just stood up and found another seat or whatever and sat there. So I didn't have to sit next to him. And so I could kind of just, you know, but I suppose, I don't know, like, like why would like, and it's interesting. Cause like, he was huffing and puffing and doing certain things during the movie, which I'd seen many movies with them, but I think he really wanted us to know he didn't like it. You know, which like, it's fine if you don't like it, but why do you need to let us all know you don't like it? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like when you got to share your opinion about a movie, why, why do you need us to know your opinion? You know what I mean? Like if you're going to say something negative or you're going to be negative about it, why is it so important that you share that with everyone, especially if everyone else is seeming to enjoy it? Why do you got to like tear down the parade? You know what well, I mean? Well, I'm sure you can <laughs> dissect that one. I mean, it's this weird thing of like, sometimes, you know, we want people to, to know that we feel victimized somehow mm. that we're suffering somehow. And, you know, but perhaps it wasn't entirely, it wasn't entirely the case, or perhaps this person didn't, wasn't aware of just how much their, you know, huffing and hawing was, was affecting. I don't think everyone, you know, and you know, sometimes it's it's worth bringing up, you know, and, and it's also, it's like, you know, it's nobody, nobody forced this person to go and see this movie, you know, like nobody nobody, forced me to stay in my seat next and nobody forced you to do that either. Right. So, (laughs) you know, and, and nobody said that you couldn't say anything about it either. Right. So there is, there's all sorts of, yeah, there's all sorts of ways that you could, you know, we could, we could rip this all apart. And And as you dissect it, I just, I I feel more foolish in the sense that I didn't see all the options I had in the moment because I was just like, I I did feel pretty victimized to the situation. Yeah. Like, God damn it. But see, isn't that, isn't that so strange how it's just like it, 
it, it the impact, it. the yeah. impact, the impact, the impact that we yeah. think that it's like, it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll hear, hear me huffing and hawing and now you've heard this and now it's like, they're, they feel victimized. No, you feel victimized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's, like, it's like, it just keeps, keeps the train rolling down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then later on you saw somebody else and then, you know, you had your communication of this thing and then maybe they felt like, oh, I was going in with this like thing. Uh, of, yeah. like, was, and it's, so, you know, maybe we'll, this feels like a, a, maybe an appropriate moment to wrap this all up. Sure. Yeah. But you know, you, you have an impact whether you, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. Well, now, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we're telling you, so you have no excuse. You have no excuse. <laughs> you, you have an impact out, out there in the world. Like these things that you think that nobody sees these things that you think that that doesn't affect anybody. They do affect people in subtle and in larger ways, you know, like it might seem kind of trivial, you know, like going to a movie mm-hmm. that you didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you expressed yourself at certain points during this thing is actually had a major effect on somebody else's, you know, experience of something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's important to be mindful of that. It's important to be mindful of what you're putting out into the world. And, and what you're in a lot of ways, what you're choosing to put into the world, you know, if like realize that when you're being negative, you're choosing to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're choosing to perpetuate that. I don't think that most people want to want to do that. Hmm. So don't, (laughs) (laughs) you know, choose to be, choose to be open, choose to try and find enjoyment in, in your life because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. Is that your final point? That that's, pretty, that's it. That was a good one. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, well, if I'm going to add to that, yeah. <clears throat> when you leave your house, choose how you're going to be in the world, you know, because you're leading and you're affecting and you're influencing and uh, it, it, it's, it is being noticed. It is being registered, you know, and I think, um, uh, I, you know, I, we did touch on this whole depression thing and not being good enough. And I think maybe this topic actually helps maybe if someone's feeling down or if you're, you know, if you do feel down is, is realize that you're probably feeling down. I think because you're not being, you're not, you're not being who you really are. You're trying to live up to some lie, some false thing. And so, you know, depression, I think has this way of tearing down the lie and bringing you back down to who you really are and just rise up again from who you really are and know that that's enough and know that that's valuable and it has an impact and you don't need to tell a lie this time because I think people who keep slipping into depression keep telling the lie and then the lie gets so big and then the lie is proven false. You feel depressed and then whatever, you, you know, so I think depression in a sense is a good thing. It's kind of a, you know, in a sense, it kind of brings you back down to like, okay, you're a little bit of humility. Like, you know, it's hard to cover up where you're really at, but just choose, you know, choose to, I know it sounds hard, but, and this is, you know, and I, and I've been there, but I'd say choose to choose to smile, just, just smile, just put a physically, put a smile on your face and, you know, and, and start to think about the things that are good and, and, and start to like really value who you really are. And eventually it will come around, you know, you'll start to feel confidence and it will be something that can never be taken away again. But the lie, 
you know, the lie stops you from bullying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you get, and you, by choosing to put, put something else out into the world, I mean, you give that, you know, through this, also with the impact, you, you're giving that to everyone else too, Mm -hmm. you know, and you create more of it. You create more of it wherever you go. Right. Yeah. If you, if you continue to have a false self, you teach everyone else, they need to have a false self. Yeah. If you walk out, you know, I, um, I know we're kind of, we said we'd end it, but I just want to say one thing. I remember one time, probably more than once actually this happened, but I remember one specific time where someone asked me like, how are you doing? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually having a bit of a challenging day, you know? And they said, Hey, thanks for being honest with me. And then it started this wonderful conversation and then things just took off from there. But we started from where I was really at because, um, you know, and this was actually someone who I knew, but we'd never met one-on-one and we were just hanging out one-on-one. We started this wonderful conversation and I thought, yeah, I could have started that from a place of like, yeah, everything's great. I'm doing wonderful, you know, but we started from that. And by the end of the conversation, things were wonderful because we were both dealing from where we were really at. At least I suspect, Yeah. you know, but he at least appreciated the fact that I was being honest with him, not being a downer about it, not being like, oh, poor me, but just like, you know, I'm struggling, you know, it's okay. That's just where I'm at, you know? And then boom, life can happen. So honesty, honesty, (laughs) not so serious Sunday, not so serious Sunday. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.